Welcome to Tea Time with Chris, a podcast that celebrates faith, humor, and the power of storytelling. I'm Chris Tomlinson, your host, and I'm thrilled to invite you to join me for engaging conversations with people from all walks of life. Together, we'll sip some tea or whatever you prefer and explore life's joys and challenges with a focus on hope, inspiration, and positivity. I'll also share some of my personal stories and some poetry to add a touch of intimacy and creativity to our chats. So join me as we spread love, joy, and laughter with each episode. Welcome to Tea Time with Chris. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time with Chris. As usual, I am your host, Chris. Today's episode, I have the honor and the privilege to interview someone who means a lot to me and has done a lot and is someone that I go to for guidance and counsel and for wisdom and for help a lot of times. And that is my pastor of my church, Pastor Matt Francis. But before we get into that, of course, we have to jump into the tea flavor of the week. This week's tea flavor is a very common flavor that I'm sure most of you know, and that is chamomile. It originates from various regions, including Egypt, Germany, and the United Kingdom. It's an herbal infusion made from the chamomile plant's flowers, has been used for centuries for its calming properties, and is known for its mild and soothing flavor, often described as floral, apple-like, and with a subtle sweetness. It's caffeine-free, and is cherished for its ability to promote relaxation, reduce stress, and support a good night's sleep. It is also believed to have anti-inflammatory and digestive benefits. And this tea I've had quite a few times, and it's actually really good. And it's, I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but it's definitely one of my, if it's in my house or if I see it in the store and I just so happen to have enough money, sometimes I'll get it because it, it does have a calming effect and Actually, they say that for dogs, if you take their, like, dry food or something and you soak it, chamomile tea, it can help calm your pet. So, now, let's take some time to jump into today's episode with Pastor Matt Francis. Thank you for letting me do this with you. We've had many sit-downs and talks before, so this is a little bit different for us. If you could just give a little intro. Yeah, I'm a pastor at Faith Lighthouse Church. This actually is seven years now that uh, we've been back here. This was our home church we grew up in and met my wife and our youth group. So this church has a lot of history to us and, uh, you know, done ministry for the past 20 years and, uh, involved in children's ministry, youth ministry, and, and now obviously leading the church. Been married now for 20 years, just celebrated our 20th anniversary, and have three kids, all three teenagers, so uh, life is fun in that regard, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, that, you know, that's just the, the brief history. <laughs> Your whole life, did you always want to be a pastor, or was there a specific moment that it struck with you? Definitely not my whole life. I grew up in church, but we didn't go all the time. You know, faith was always something, a part of our family, but, you know, we were not your every Sunday churchgoers. When, when I was really young, we were, uh, but my parents, you know, kind of drifted away from church, but I always had, you know, an understanding of church and God and that, but it wasn't until I was 16 and I got my first car I really felt God impressed on me that I needed to go back to church. And um, I went by myself, went back to the only church that I ever knew, Faith Lighthouse, and uh, just got involved. It was just the, the place that I felt like I fit in um, really throughout high school and, and, you know, middle school, even even elementary school. Um, you know, school was just something that I did. I never really had a lot of enjoyment out of it. 
was all just, I just want to get through this as soon as possible. And then when I got to church and uh, rededicated my life to Christ, it was, this was my place. This was my home. This was my people really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, um, but I didn't really feel a call into ministry. Um, I just enjoyed being at church. I, I served however I could, you know, that was back, you know, when we had Sunday school and, you know, church on Sunday and then church on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Right. So anytime the church was open, I was there for any special events and all that stuff. I just wanted to be at church. And uh, it was, I had just graduated high school. My, at that time, we had a Christian education leader at the church and we needed a middle school uh, Sunday school teacher. And she asked me uh, to do it. I said, sure, you know, I don't really know what I can give. I mean, it's not too far removed from me being in middle school, but, you know, I think there's probably a whole lot more people that are more qualified than me. But um, she said, no, I believe in you. I think you can do it. And she gave me some curriculum and said, go for it. And Mm. And I did, and started getting involved in ministry that way, started helping out in the youth group, and uh, enjoyed it, but I never sensed a call into ministry until my pastor, uh, about a year or so later, spoke to me one Sunday and just kind of pulled me off to the side and asked me if I had any desire to go to, to Bible college, and I said, no, not really. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I was working at a, you know, at a business in downtown, figured I'd you know, kind of do that, be a manager, or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, no, I really, I see ministry in your future. I think you need to go to, to Southeastern. And um, I didn't know what Southeastern was at that time. It was still Southeastern Bible College. He said, yeah, it's, it's over in Lakeland, which, you know, was 20 minutes away from where we live. I didn't even know there was a Bible college that close to us. And uh, so I prayed about it and, and uh, felt like that was the direction God was leading me in. I'd you know, already been out of high school for a year, had no desire to go back to school. Like I said, I never really enjoyed school and but the idea of that and being in ministry and learning, you know, more, I said, absolutely, you know, absolutely, let's do it. So I enrolled at Southeastern and, and really, you know, kind of felt that, that calling uh, that there was more, like, even though I love being in church and that, but there was something else that I felt like God was stirring in me and my pastor kind of saw that. And um, yeah, and that led to uh, me going back to school and getting involved in ministry and becoming a youth pastor. And yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. One thing I, I really like about the way that you teach or preach is you also come about where you use obviously biblical scripture and biblical facts but you also like to use actual like science facts too and you tie in science and like like a lot of mental health that you talk about where where not to bash other churches but a lot of people a lot of churches don't talk about mental health as much as you do and that really drew me in because it it made me feel like you understood what mental health is, like what people are struggling with. And you're able to show scripturally, like one lesson you taught that always has stuck with me was with, um, hopefully I get the names right. I think it was Elijah where he was so depressed that he literally asked God to take his life and God told him to sleep and gave him bread. And to me, that was just always stuck with me because my whole life I was always heard like oh no if you have any type of mental health issue it's you're wrong you're you're something's wrong with your faith something's wrong with you and god it's not something that's real or whatever and that's something that really struck with me with with the way you preach because you bring it into not saying like the bible's not real but like reality i guess i don't know how how to phrase it but i really like how you how you come about the way you teach in you come down to like like um like a personal level like you connect with people and you show how a lot of it just like the people in the bible and they went through things that we go through and i always just thought that was interesting and cool how you teach is that something you've always done or is that something that you gradually got into or it's it's definitely stepping into the you know role of you know lead pastor and and preaching to adults every sunday was, you know, it's definitely something different than what I had previously done. Um, I had previously served in youth ministry and, you know, youth ministry is a lot of, you know, connecting with students and, and growing and discipling them and their walk in relationship with God. And, and youth ministry can be a lot of very, um, you know, it's, it's practical, you know, it, you're not uh, getting into a lot of deep theological topics because students are just all over the place or some that are just mm-hmm. coming to face and never been to church. Some have grown up in church. So, it's, it's, you know, walking a tightrope of, you know, how deep can you go and you don't want to go above their heads and that. So it was always, a you know, a balance with that. And 
Um, and then children's ministry is a whole different ball game as I mm-hmm. went from youth ministry to children's ministry. And that's usually not the trajectory of most people in ministry. It's and unfortunately, it is kind of like a stepping stool. Some people go to, you know, start in youth ministry and then, you know, go into senior pastor role, something along those lines. And um, which I thought that's what it was going to happen to me. Um, mm-hmm. But God had a different plan. And so I stepped to uh, children's ministry and did that for several years. And that's a completely different aspect. Now you're teaching, you know, basic fundamental Bible stories to, to kids. And again, same thing there. You've got kids from all over the spectrum. And, you know, teaching basic Bible stories and trying to make church fun and interesting and, and all of that. So when I stepped in the role of, of you know, senior pastor, I had to kind of figure that out. Um, what does that look like? And, you know, I try to be um, as practical as possible, you know, understanding that the Bible is the authoritative word of God that, you know, we don't uh, add or take away from it, that that's our foundation. Um, but understanding that there are, you know, lives that we live and how we can tie that together, that um, using the Bible as the foundation and then, like you said, you know, tying in stories of these are these are real people and they went through real things. Uh, a lot of times we kind of have that view of biblical characters are, um, you know, some giants of faith, which they are. Uh, mm-hmm. However, they're still real people and they went through real things. And um, from the mental health aspect of it, um, you know, I had that in, in my family. Uh, my mom struggled with that for many years. Um, and understanding the um, that. Like you were you were talking about, you know, there are times where people just believe, you know, we'll just, you know, pray it away and, you know, and, and move on. And and please hear me. I mean, I believe in the power of prayer 100 percent. You know this. I've said it a million times. You know, something mm-hmm. happens when we pray that doesn't happen when we don't. So, you know, prayer is fundamental to what we do. But I come from the aspect of it's it's not one or the other. It's both. And it's it's prayer. It's studying the word of God. But then it also is understanding that our mental capacity and things that we grow up, the environments that we grow in have a, uh, an effect on us. And, and so we need to put both of that together. Um, I just, within the past year, I finished uh, my master's degree in pastoral counseling with a focus on um, addiction and, and substance abuse and understanding that, di- that dynamic of helping people with substance abuse issues, but it goes into mental health, that there are things spiritually that we pray and believe for, but then there are some practical things that we do on a daily basis to help overcome some of those difficulties. Uh, my wife, she's finishing up her mental health nurse practitioner degree. And so she comes from that same mindset that, you know, we believe and understand the, what the power in the word of God and what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives, but then also what are some things from a mental health perspective that we can help and and, and counsel people through. We're strong advocates and believe in counseling, which I think has been a great shift in the church in general, that a lot of people shied away from that. And, you know, counseling was, you know, it just, no, you don't do that. But right. there has been a shift. And I'm glad to see that because it's both and. Again, it's not one or the other. I believe it's a both and approach. And I've seen God heal and do miraculous things in people's lives without ever stepping foot in a counselor's office or a pastor's office and just what God can do. But I've also mm-hmm. seen people have people pray and support them and couple that with counseling, and they've seen amazing turnaround in their lives. So again, that's where I come from, the perspective of, um, you know, where it's both and approach. And right. uh, so I've tried to, I try to do that when I teach and when I speak and preach. Um, and, you know, it's sometimes I feel like you hit the mark. Sometimes I don't, but, um, you know, I just do the best as the Holy Spirit leads me. Right. I like how you go about all that because for me it was a more like a connection that I could understand as you were teaching I could connect with it and relate with things that you're saying be able to apply it to my life and and that's the goal is you know again you know to to make it practical and and applicable you know that we walk through life and there's a lot of challenges and you know how can we take a message you know that's you know from God's word and how do we apply it to our lives today um, that there's a lot of there's a lot of information that we have, which is great. But at the end of the day, how do we apply it? What do I do with this? What are what is something I can walk away in the context of you know like a Sunday morning you know Sunday morning message? You know what's the one key? What's one thing that I you know I can give people to take away? And and sometimes it may not be uh, you know for that you know particular day, and you're not dealing with it. But then the Holy Spirit brings back, oh, that's right, I heard that you know a couple months ago, and um, man, I, it, I don't even remember where that came from, but that's, mm. <laughs> that's the beauty of the Holy spirit that just brings it back. So, yeah, I, I mean, I try to be very practical. I, I mean, I've had people, you know, uh, you know, tell me, and, and it's a compliment, you know, that, you know, I just make it easy to understand. 
and and so you know that's that's really a biggest compliment that people you know i don't want it to to come across as you know information that you can't use and it's just over your head and you know what can i okay that's great information what i do with it, it, it i want it to be practical and easy to understand so and i think part of that is going back into working with youth and kids that you know you have to make you have to make it understandable it has to be relatable and that's one thing i found in children's ministry is you know basic bible stories and things like that it had to be relatable you know how does this you know how does, how does a you know eight-year-old or seven-year-old or ten-year-old take this story and okay that makes sense so that's uh, kind of the perspective that i come from wednesday night we have the group that split up and you would have that brain that you would bring in and you would show different parts and point to different parts and like talk about different ways of how when you've so set in like a negative way for example for so long that the neuro pathways are so to dug in as you like if i remember the, i remember you saying something about the dug in like a like a trench so it's right like, yeah yeah so it's in there and it's hard for you know you to think positive because it's so set that way but the, it's not impossible and you go and you explain how, you know, with biblical truth and uh, prayer and just trying to see things in a positive way and taking a circumstance and flipping it and doing something positive instead of focusing on negative. And eventually those brain, those pathways will change and you grow, you grow new pathways. Cause I never, yeah. Growing up, I never knew that. I always just thought like, okay, well, I'm always so negative. Why is it so hard to think positive? And then when I turned my life around and was starting to think positive and everything did change, it started making sense as you explained it because I was like, yeah, that would that would make sense. It was so long that there's an easy pathway now for negativity all the time instead of positive. So it was yeah. interesting how you do all that. Yeah, and, and you know, that's one of the things that I, I think a lot of, you know, believers struggle with. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to touch on that topic was that if you, you know, I want to change my mindset, I want to to do things differently, I'm, I'm in a negative pattern, and then we beat ourselves up, right, over yeah. and over again, why do mm -hmm. I keep falling into that, so, you know, I must not be spiritual enough, I must not be good enough, God doesn't love me, and all of those things, the enemy, he just, you know, he whispers those thoughts constantly to us, but understanding mm -hmm. that if we have been in that, that mindset of negative self-talk, and, and that, that it is a it's a neural rut in our mind and we just keep going round and round. And the, the, you know, just like if you walk in the backyard or if you're a dog or, you know, whatever goes to the same spot, there's a path, it's a trail. And mm -hmm. the more that you, it's harder to get out of that rut. So rethinking and realizing, Oh, with, with God's word and looking at scripture, what's true. I know this to be true. God's word is true. I know what his promises are to me. So I know he cares about me. I know he loves me, even though, I think that, you know, nobody loves me or nobody cares about me. What's true? I know what the word of God says, that he loves me, that he sent a son to die on a cross for me. That's true. And so focusing on that helps us break through those, those ruts, those negative thought patterns and begin a new thought pattern. So it has nothing to do with, you know, we're a terrible person or, you know, that God doesn't love us. It's just that we have developed some really bad habits in our thinking. And so coupling it with God's word what's true, what do we know from his word, and then focusing on those things that helps us break through those ruts. And it's not, it's definitely not easy. Um, no, not. The, the challenge with a lot, a lot of people is that it's, well, I want it done right now, because that's the world mm -hmm. that we live in. And that's the, you know, again, you know, I, you know, me, I use the illustration of Amazon or whatever, you know, I can order, you know, Walmart or Instacart or Amazon, and it's at my doorstep and, you know, less than two hours in some cases. Yeah. Um, it doesn't work that way mentally it doesn't work yeah. that way all the time now again i don't discount what god can do and he mm -hmm. can uh, in those moments you know take those thoughts and and you know have that life-changing transformation which is amazing um and there are testimonies of that but you know for other people it takes time and and again it's just every day realizing that this is an, an opportunity that god has given me so let me focus on the positive let me focus on the things that are true uh, and starting with god's word and building new neural pathways and so you know again that's just where hopefully to allow people to see it in a different perspective as believers to see it as a different perspective of, you know, just falling into the same patterns, the old patterns doesn't mean that you're a terrible person and that God doesn't love you. It just means, man, I've got to find a new way to do this and focusing on the truth, what I know to be true and focusing on that every day and making some new pathways. Mm. One, of, one of the other things that me and you connect with is talking about space. I like being able to come to you and talk about something and you know 
exactly like oh yeah that telescope saw this and there was this that day and a launch this day and it's really cool to be able to talk to my pastor about that stuff because I've never had a connection like that with a pastor so for me to be able to walk into church one day and you just come out of nowhere like hey did you see that launch and I'm like no way my pastor likes space stuff too that's cool you know the vastness of space and I see things and you know see stories and and uh, you know it's just something that I think I even may have said this the other day, I forget if it was a Sunday or, or Wednesday, but, you know, that uh, I, I saw something and they said, you know, the science, scientific community was just, you know, stepping back and going, well, we've got to reevaluate what we thought that we knew uh, about space and time and all that other stuff. And, and I'm like, well, yeah, because you don't know, you know, that, that <laughs> what you thought you knew, you don't. And, right. you know, we, we try to confine, you know, God and his creation um and in a box and we're going to constantly learn more things and 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 i'm not afraid of of science i mean i'm not i've never been afraid of if god is big enough uh which i believe he is then science will never disprove god it will only prove him over and over again and it has and and that's you know where a lot of uh, i think people today unfortunately miss you know back when you know major scientific discoveries were happening you know 16th 17th century um, astronomers and things like that, they were all believers. I mean, mm-hmm. they had strong faith and they weren't afraid to explore space and the stars and the cosmos and, and, and well, we can't explore it because it's going to disprove God. No, I, you know, to me, you know, like the James Webb telescope and, and that, um, as a matter of fact, today I saw, uh, it's, I guess the one year anniversary and they've released new pictures and, and things like that. And, and for me that, again, that just proves the bigness and, and the vastness of God that, it shows all of his creation that he spoke everything into existence. And I'm not afraid of what, you know, science is going to find. It's just going to prove God over and right. over again. And I think that that's the, the nature of, of God, that he created us to be creative and to explore. And, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I think there are some believers that are afraid of, of science and, and mm-hmm. because it's, but God is bigger than that. So throw as many telescopes out there as you want. And it's just, to me, it's just, proves the the vastness of god and his creation and you know just the beauty of it and you know to be able to go out and see the night sky and just see all of the stars in the sky and god did that you know there's there's no doubt in my mind god did that he spoke this all into existence so i'm i'm all for you know let's learn as much as we can but you know we're never going to know it all because god's the only one who knows it all right so me and you have had many talks and i've had really weird deep questions for you many times so i figured i'd i'd ask you another deep weird question about (laughs) the bible and something i i don't know i have these thoughts sometimes but uh the question i had was okay so you know in in the very beginning in genesis how god created adam and eve and everything else so before the fall god had told adam and eve to go forth multiply and rule over what he created and everything and then when adam and eve fell and they were cast out of eden and you know life has been how it has been to today the question i have is after all of this like when jesus returns and judgment day and all the the new heaven new earth as it says will we still do like create buildings and invent stuff or will it just be like what we have on earth is enough and we don't need to create anymore we just it, just enjoy what god has i don't know if this is true but i was always told growing up that in, on the new heaven new earth that we can go somewhere just by thought and we just think of something and then we would be there which i don't know if that's true or not i don't remember scripture if it says it or not but if if that is true then we wouldn't need to build ships or spacecrafts or anything but i still think it would be kind of cool to like build stuff because at that time there won't be any sin so It'd be like unlimited supply of everything, whatever you can think of. You could build something and then go explore all of space because there won't be no restrictions. You can just go explore what God made. That that definitely is one of those, you know, big questions, you know, that we all have as believers. You know, what is it going to be like, you know, in the afterlife, you know, after, you know, death and and like you said, when new heavens and new earth. And and there's obviously there's a lot of debate and a lot of conjecture on on what it's going to be. And and God hasn't given us, you know, a clear picture of that because I think 
one of the reasons why he he didn't give us that is because that's what we would focus on uh, as right. human beings that's our natural tendency is to to focus on that and so he just gives us you know pulls back the veil of the curtain a little bit just to to let us see a peek behind it and and but not give it all because then you know that's where our whole focus is going to be and and our focus here on earth is to as believers is to to make Jesus known, you know, to show his love, to make disciples. And, right. and so if we're just constantly thinking about the afterlife, then we're going to forget about the job that he's called us to do. But right. that's not to say that we're we're still curious, you know. And so that kind of leads me to what I what you know, just my personal belief is that, you know, in that that it, just because, you know, we will be, you know, in our glorified bodies and and that doesn't mean that it changes who we are, that God still created us in his image. Um, in his likeness and we are you know created and we will still have characteristics we'll still have you know i believe we'll have emotions and all of those things like i don't think any of that just goes away now you know the bible says there's no tears and things like that because there's there won't be any need for that because there's no sorrow there's no sin there's no death so but we still i think will be you know it's you know even i heard somebody you know once you know said you know hey you know i've heard heaven is going to be just like this big you know you know eternity long worship service, you know, like you go to church and, you know, you sing, you know, three or four songs on a Sunday and, but, you know, so heaven is just going to, that's all we're going to do is just sing songs to God forever. Um, I, I don't think that's the case either. I think, it, you know, it, it's, it's so hard to, to quantify eternity in our minds that eternity, it, it's not a 24 hour clock, you know, seven days a week, you know, monthly calendar, yearly calendar, eternity is going to be so much different and we're not going to focus on those things. You know, do I think that we can, you know, uh, teleport from one place to another? Hey, it's possible. You know, I mean, we see the angels are able to go from, you know, different places and things like that. So there's a possibility we can do that too. But I still think there's that nature to create and, you know, to do things that just, you know, we won't have to work like we do now. And, and that's because of the fall, you know, because of sin. And so we had to labor and all of those things. So, you know, it's it's an interesting question, and you know, one of those that we're not going to fully understand the side of eternity. But um, I think there's, you know, it's something that we're going to enjoy, and it's not going to be, you know, just sitting on a cloud, you know, playing a harp all day long, or you know, whatever. Yeah. It's going to be we're going to be in God's presence. We're going to experience the fullness of God, and you know, we don't know what it's like to experience the fullness of God like that without sin in the world. Now we've been forgiven of our sins and cleansed because of the blood of Jesus, but we're still not in his glory and what that's going to be like. So uh, it's definitely one of those, you know, questions that people have debated and talked about, and we're not going to fully know until, you know, until that day happens. But right. I don't think we're going to completely change who we are because God still created us and we'll still have a lot of those characteristics and, and, you know, uh, desires that we have now. Right. When you taught youth, what was something about that that you really enjoyed? That's something that you will always remember. It has to be when I saw a student is when the light bulb came on mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, there's a lot of students that, you know, they, they come to church because, you know, mom and dad come to church or grandma and grandpa come to church. And so they, you know, just kind of come and I'm here and, you know, I'll play the games or, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, I'll go on a trip and, you know, but you can tell that they're really not, they're not bought in, you know, they're, they're there and, you know, they appreciate what's going on, but they're not really bought in to what's happening. It's just, yeah, I'm here because I'm here. And, and, um, but when that, that light bulb finally goes on and go, and they realize, man, there's, wait, there's, there's a God who loves me. There's, you know, there's more to, to life than what I see. We all go through those teenage years. We can go back and, and remember them and nobody ever, you know, says, man, I wish I could go back and being, you know, a 14 or 15 year old again. Nobody, nobody ever says that. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, yeah, I'd like to go back to my early 20s or, you know, something like that. Or, you know, but nobody ever says they want to go back and be a teenager because it's tough. I mean, it's one of the, I mean, you're, you're transitioning from, you know, childhood into becoming a, a man or woman, you, you know, hormones are all over the place and you're trying to figure out who you are. And so your walking relationship with God can be messy. And, and again, there's a lot of students that don't fully understand that and they want to, you know, still do what they want to do. And, you know, they see churches, you know, a place where it's just another set of rules and, you know, do's and don'ts and stuff like that. But when they finally realize, wait, that's not what it is. It's not about just what I can or can't do, but, but who God has called and created me to be. And, and they kind of take that step up and go, you know what, I want to, I want to I, I go all in. I, I don't want to just sit back anymore. I, I want to grow in my walk and relationship with God. I want to serve. I want to, you know, go more go beyond than just coming to church and that's just 
you know, the, the biggest thing for me is, you know, is in youth ministry is seeing that light bulb turn on and, and just have them want and desire more of God and, and seeing who God has called them to be, you know, and, and whether that's going into ministry or figuring out their, you know, purpose in life. And, and it's not, you know, necessarily ministry, but ministry is anything that we do. I mean, any job that you can have, you know, has a ministry component to it. Um, you don't have to serve in a church to, to be a minister. We're all ministers of the gospel. But to see that light bulb come on, you know, and, and to see and kind of the other part of that is to see their giftings come out as well. That I've seen, you know, students that, you know, don't feel like they have anything to offer. And then, you know, they figure it out, you know, oh, wow, I've got a musical talent or, you know, I can, you know, speak in front of people or I can, you know, serve on a, on a serve team somewhere like there's there's value. And um, and seeing them step into those roles, and and that's one thing that I've always I always believed in youth ministry. You know, kids should be serving in youth ministry and, and getting involved. There's no age limit, but it, that really opened my eyes when I served in children's ministry. That you know, a lot of times we think kids are you know, well, they're just not old enough. Man, that I was so wrong. You know, kids have a hunger and desire to serve God and and to to be used by Him, no matter how old they are, and to to have them come alive. And that is is just awesome to see. So. Yeah, youth ministry specifically, and even you know children's ministry, just seeing them come alive, and, and this is who God has called me to be. And um, and I, and again, in the youth ministry context, it's so hard because there's so many voices, so many competing voices for their attention, and and to see them hear God's voice above it all is just you know that's what it's all about. And so I can think back to you know just those days and those moments where there's students that finally took that step, and just yeah, I'm I'm all in and. Um, and and now I've got, you know, some perspective and now I'm older. And so some of my youth ministry students are, you know, have grown up and, you know, to see them, you know, serving God. And now they have families and, you know, things like that. It's really cool to see. So that's definitely a big, a big aspect of, of that, just seeing them come alive. Mm-hmm. At our church, we have a really big heart for the youth and all the different events and different things we do for the youth at a church really it's really a good thing because they need they need that, especially nowadays. I mean, they always need it throughout time, but these days it seems like it's a lot more rough to be teens than it was when I was a teen. And I was talking to a friend of mine a few days ago, and she was shared a video of a teenage kid who was getting he got bullied at school, and he had like no friends at his neighborhood, and he went he went to some neighbor's house, and he like rang the doorbell and was just asking if they had kids that he could hang out with, and he didn't have any kids. He had a baby, but not old enough to play with the kid. She was telling me that she felt really bad for teenagers these days because back when we were teens, we just got bullied at school and then we had, we'd come home and be safe at home. Well, I know some people had rough lives at home too, but you know, it was just in school and that would be it. Well, nowadays it's everywhere that you can't leave it. Like if you go to school, you get it on your phone, you get it on the internet, you get it everywhere. It's like constant in your face of stuff of you need to do this and don't do this and this and this this. you have to be this way to fit in and it's really rough now I think for teenagers because it's just like you said it's just voices coming from everywhere at them and and I love that the church has a heart for the youth and we don't just shun them away because I know I've been to churches in my past where they didn't want to deal with teenagers because it was just too much for them yeah they had a youth group but they really didn't have a heart for the youth because they saw them as just troublemakers or whatever, and they didn't have time for them. One of the things I remember from the recent event we had was, uh, I believe it was, East, yeah, it was the Easter egg hunt that we had at the church, and then you you were doing stuff for the for the events. And I remember seeing you on stage jumping around with the kids and just being as crazy as they were. And the only thing I could think of was when you were battling COVID and you could barely move, barely breathe, and then here you are on stage keeping up with the energy of all these kids. And it was just amazing to me that for me, I know other people have probably seen pastors do it, but for me, it was my first time seeing a pastor having a heart for younger generations and to know what you went through and to see you up there. It was, it's a big testimony right there. Cause it was just, it hit me big time to see that, to remind me, you know, like, yeah, Chris, God still works miracles and, this guy shouldn't be up there and he's up there keeping up with these kids that I probably couldn't even keep up with. And it's just amazing to see how far you've come from when you were battling COVID. And it's amazing. And I don't know if you would like to share with the listeners, like how it was and what you went through. And 
I know it was a huge battle for you. Yeah, it certainly was. You know, I never, you know, expected, you know, to to walk through, you know, what I went through and, and nobody does, you know, when you go through, you know, moments like that, Um, mm. uh, you know, the summer of uh, 2021, I came down with a severe case of, of COVID. It was right at the beginning of the uh, Omicron, whatever variant. And um, it was right after our 4th of July event at the church. And, you know, I know, Chris, you know this, but um, you know, I love 4th of July. It's one of my favorite holidays and, you know, be able to go to the church and, you know, we set off fireworks and stuff like that. And and after that, it was, you know, two days later, I started not feeling well and not getting any better. My wife is a nurse. And so she, you know, was keeping an eye on me, but, you know, we just, with everything else, you think, oh, it's going to pass, you know, I mean, I've you know been sick before and, you know, go three, four, five days and, you know, it really wasn't getting any better. And I was just staying in bed and, and couldn't really get out of bed. And, uh, you know, finally, you know, she's, she's like, we need to check your oxygen levels. And, and they were in the low to mid nineties. And she she's like, we need to go to the hospital. And of course, I, you know, being a, a stubborn man, I, you know, fought it. No, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And, uh, and so, you know, she, she did everything. She tried to get like a CPAP machine for my brother-in-law and some oxygen tanks from, um, she was working at a vitamin therapy place at the time and uh, as a part-time job. And, and that was a God thing just in of itself, you know, that she was working different jobs to, mm-hmm. to help me through that. And at the time it didn't make sense, but now looking back why she was doing what she was doing and the jobs that she was working, it all worked to, you know, for, for, you know, God to work through her and, and ultimately my healing. And, and so, you know, finally she said, you, you know, we're going to the hospital. And so went to the hospital and I wasn't quite bad enough to be admitted. So they let me go. And then, you know, I came home and, and I just wasn't getting any better. So we went back to the next day and they admitted me and, and I just got worse. Um, I had a, a nurse, you know, in the first room that I was in. And, you know, again, I was kind of not all with it. Um, you know, I was just kind of sleeping and tired and, you know, just right. not feeling well. And, uh, and so the, after the fact, I didn't know this, but then one of the nurses that was, you know, looking after me, she told my wife that, um, like I said, I found out this later, she, she was the one that advocated for me to go to the ICU, the uh, other, the physicians and stuff like that. They, you know, we'll just observe him. And she's like, no, he needs to go to the ICU. And uh, so they put me over the ICU and they saw how bad I was. And they, at the time, what, you know, the resources they had, they threw everything at me, um, all the medications and the, whatever the protocols were and, um, and just weren't, you know, seeing any immediate results, you know, it was on high flow oxygen, almost at a hundred percent, you know, they, they talked about it possibly intubating me and I, and I had resolved, I wasn't getting intubated. It, it just wasn't going to happen. And uh, so I did everything I possibly could not to be intubated, but, um, just wasn't getting any better. My oxygen levels were extremely low. Um, if I even moved to my bed and, you know, that like the, my oxygen would drop into the eighties, uh, even down into the seventies. And so, you know, I was in, in the hospital for a month and um, just really not seeing a, a ton of progress. And so, you know, they, they'd given me everything they possibly could as far as the hospital. And I'm you know, not talking ill of them at all, but they just couldn't do anything else for me. And so my wife and I decided to, after we prayed about it, that she was going to, you know, take me out of the hospital against medical advice. And she was going to, you know, kind of get me back to back to health at home. And uh, so I got home and she didn't know how bad I was until I got home because at that time she couldn't visit me in the hospital. Nobody could. The hospitals were still closed. So she couldn't see how she worked in the hospital and they still wouldn't allow her to come see me. So that was very frustrating, um, you know, being alone, being isolated. Um, you know, I just had medical staff come in and, um, but I will say, you know, in, in all of that, though, there was this um, medical tech that will, and we actually went to high school together. And it was one of my, one of my most difficult moments. And I was, you know, I wanted to come home desperately, but the, you know, the doctor's like, no, you're not well enough. You've got to stay in here. Um, you know, and I asked them like, what's the plan? And they didn't have a plan. They just, you know, you're just going to stay in the hospital and we're just going to, you know, see things get better. And, and so that's why I was very disappointed. I'm like, no, I've got, you know, there's got to be progress out here. I want to get home. I've got a church to run. I've got a family to take care of. There are things going on at the house that my wife was dealing with. I mean, we've got three kids and she has to work and, you know, all of these things. And it was just a lot. And, um, and but the, so there was one, it was a Sunday and the hospital was, was full. Uh, I mean, jam packed. The only thing that I looked forward to in the hospital was, was my meals. <laughs> I mean, I got to pick my, you know, uh, they gave you a little menu and breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that was the only thing I had to look forward to. I couldn't get up out of bed. I was, I was bedridden. And, um, but I looked forward to my meals. And, um, and so I ordered lunch. It was Sunday afternoon. I was really dejected because I missed church. I couldn't be at church and I couldn't see my family. And I was just, I was depressed. That's all there was to it. We were talking about mental health. I was depressed. 
Mm-hmm. And um, this this guy that uh, was a technician, he came in and he's like, I know you. And I'm like, yeah. And so we got to talk and we went to high school together. We you know, kind of, we weren't really close, but we knew each other. And, um, and he's like, you know, have you gotten anything to eat today? And I'm like, no, I guess they forgot about me. Now the hospital was full at that point. I mean, they were, the, the hospital wasn't even admitting new patients. Like they were jam packed. Mm-hmm. And so they forgot about my lunch and I was kind of depressed, you know, because I, you know, was wanted to go home and I couldn't, and then I didn't get my lunch. And it was just, it, it, it seems insignificant, but in the moment that was, that was huge to me. And he's like, no, he's like, well, the, the hospital, they ordered pizza for the whole hospital staff because the hospital staff was overworked. And uh, so they, you know, gave them a little treat, gave them pizza. He's like, I'm going to get you some pizza. And uh, that was the best pizza I had had ever. <laughs> I mean, it was just, you know, from Hungry Howie's Pizza across the street, but it was the best pizza because, you know, he was looking out for me and it was mm-hmm. somebody that, that that cared you know and he was just gave me pizza and he we just talked for a little bit and um and and that was it um but it was in that moment and and that's when we decided the next day I was going to come home and um and and again my oxygen levels were you know I'd stand up and off the couch and they would plummet you know down to the you know 50s and 60s and and that's that's not good at all Mm -hmm. and um and I stayed that way for quite some time, but prayed and believed and, and it was hard. It was tough. You know, God, you know, where are you? <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, you know, you've called me into ministry. I've got a church to, that needs me and, and I can't do it. And so I questioned everything, you know, did I, am I ever going to get to serve again? Am I going to preach again? You know, I mean, preaching means that I have to be able to stand and talk and, and move. And, right. uh, and I couldn't do that. I couldn't even get up off the couch and um, without, you know, losing breath and I was on oxygen, all that, but but God over it began to bring healing. And I came back to church, finally was getting well enough. And I was able to come back to church. And uh, it was one Sunday. And I remember have, having my oxygen tank on. And I'm like, no, this is this is the day. And I remember taking my nasal cannula off and just took a breath of fresh air. And I was like, yes, this is this is what I've been waiting for. And um, and and it wasn't an instantaneous. And that's the thing is a lot of times when we look for healing, it, that it's instantaneous. But it was it was over time. But, you know, the doctors and looking at my scans of my, of my lungs and everything else that, um, you know, it did not look good. And even my pulmonologist, he, when I went in to, to see him um, after they had released me from having oxygen, he's like, you didn't come in with oxygen? And I said, no. He's like, oh, based on your scans, he's like, you should have oxygen. He's like, but if you feel okay and your, your numbers are okay, he's like, oh, then, then all right. He's like, but based on what your lungs look like, I'm surprised you're not on oxygen right now. And, um, and that, and, and that's just, that's God. It's totally a God thing. And to fast forward to Easter this year, and, you know, we didn't plan on having the kids inside. It rained at the last minute and, you know, right before we were about to hunt the eggs at dark and the rain came down. And so we had to scramble and and do things inside. And, and yeah, I was up on the stage with the kids and I was jumping around and, and, and I wouldn't have been able to do that, you know, a couple months prior to that. I just didn't have the the stamina or energy to do that. And, and again, that was God to, you know, through that, but, you know, through that whole experience, that was, you know, trusting on God and leaning on him, even when it didn't make sense, even when I didn't fully understand. I remember, I think I've shared the story with you, but, um, you know, I remember, you know, one day being in the hospital and just sitting on the side of the bed and, and just praying, you know, for over a solid hour, um, just to get up and go to the bathroom. And, and I'm like, I, I God, please, I just want to get up and, and, and I prayed and prayed and prayed and, and finally got up and, and the healing wasn't there. I almost passed out just going mm-hmm. to, to the bathroom and, uh, oh, I, I was frustrated and, and I'll be honest, I was angry I, I, because I, I had faith. I, I'm believing, you know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything. I, I don't know what else to do. And, but I just kept trusting, you know, even, mm-hmm. even through the anger and not understanding my God, you've got to have a bigger plan in this. And so I'm going to trust you. And, and I've seen that you know, come to pass, you know, that I'm able to, to do things and get up on stage and jump around with kids and, you know, stuff that I didn't think was going to be possible. And, and I am. So um, that's just a credit to God and, mm-hmm. and trusting in him and his plan. So yeah, it, it's definitely been a, uh, it was an eye-opening experience. Uh, prior to that, I'd never been in the hospital. I, I know your story and, you know, the, the things that you have gone through and, and that's not mine. I've never, you know, never experienced that. And I have a better appreciation for, you know, for those that go through those moments and uh, experiences than, than ever before. And not to say that I have any, you know, uh, comparison to what you or other people have gone through, but I just have a better appreciation of what it means to, to understand that you're not in control, you know, that right. you're just, you're just there. 
and, um, and, and have to trust on the medical staff and trust in God. And um, it opened my eyes to a lot of things and, and have a greater appreciation for a lot. Yeah. I remember, I think it was maybe not the last service, service before you mentioned how in a hospital where they say that's where you sleep and you're like, no, you don't sleep at all because they wake you up in the middle of the night, Yep, everything. And I was laughing. That's the last place you actually get rest in the hospital. Yeah. I remember those very vividly being sound asleep. A minute later, they wake you up. Make you sleeping? I was. That's okay. <laughs> and then they come in and do all that stuff. And then it's hard to fall back to sleep afterwards, but eventually you oh, do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then they're back two minutes later, it seems. So. Exactly. <laughs> that was a big thing you went through. And I remember a lot of the stuff you talked about with it, a lot of the mental health struggles you went through during it. How you mentioned you're, you got depressed and how you got angry and everything. And I know that a lot of believers struggle with, with that, uh, how they're expecting to be healed right away and they don't get that healing right away. And it takes time. It all, go, it all depends on God's timing, not ours. And like you said earlier, like we want everything right away. It doesn't work like that. I just think it's good that, um, well, it's not good that you had COVID, but I'm saying it's good that you can have those understandings in the way that you can in intertwine it in or put it into your lessons to connect with other people so they can get it. Pastors go through these things too. They can struggle with the same things we struggle with. And growing up, the pastor to me was always like the person that was like next to God. He can't do no wrong. And he doesn't do anything. He doesn't struggle with nothing then. And then to hear how human you were and how you spoke about the things that you struggled with, the depression and everything preach another reason why threw me in to the church i know i've talked to you before in the past about my experiences with churches and i've had really bad experiences and so it was hard for me to decide to go to a flc the first time i went but i still remember the first time like everybody and still to this day the church our church still like everybody just greets you like as if you're family and like you've been there for since you were born pretty much like everybody's so <laughs> welcoming and nice to you and just it felt like I walked into like a home instead of a church pretty much like not bashing church but just my experience with churches church was just a bad thing for me to feel welcomed there and even still to this day have people come up and ask me about things that I don't even remember mentioning to them but they know because they're like family and they want to check up on me and they're like are you okay with this are you do you need this? And I'm just like, wow, this is awesome. Because like I said, I've never experienced church like that. And I used to bash churches all the time. I used to just literally beg people, don't go to church. They're going to be so mean to you. Yeah, so, that, that's really the, the biggest compliment I think that anybody could give you know, us as a church is just that we are a very friendly and, and welcoming, inviting church. Um, and, and I think that goes back to just how my family was welcomed at church. Like I said, you know, kind of my, you know, family didn't really have, my mom and dad didn't have a relationship with God at all. Uh, my dad, you know, growing up didn't have really much of a church background. Like the only stories like he can remember telling is you know, there was a, a church that did like a, you know, would I guess kind of be considered like a vacation Bible school. And mm -hmm. um, like there was, they brought a horse or something. And so like in their neighborhood and he remembers going to a church because they had a horse. But that was it. Like they didn't go to church every Sunday. They, you know, very rare, if any, went to church. There was no background. My mom and her family, you know, they didn't go to church. There's not much of a background. She had a, a Catholic background, but they didn't, you know, they didn't go to mass or anything like that. So neither one of them really had any foundation with God. And, um, and uh, they got invited when they got married and moved around a couple different places. And then after they had me, um, they moved uh, to uh, a neighborhood that wasn't too far away from where our church is now. And um, they got invited to church and they were welcomed. And, you know, we very, you know, lower class, middle class, you know, family. My dad was a construction worker. My mom was a homemaker. She just, you know, took care of the kids and, and he worked construction. So, I mean, we didn't have a lot of money and um, the church welcomed us. Um, you know, people came around my mom and dad and, and helped them and mentored them. Um, again, like I said, they, now they did, you know, fall away and they didn't come to church every Sunday, but they still had that foundation. And when they were at church, people were there for them. 
And, mm-hmm. and I remember that specifically, you know, just specifically with my mom and, and even my dad too, you know, talking about the people at church and they just, you know, felt at home and welcomed at church and didn't feel like they were, you know, shunned or anything else that they just welcomed and even helped them, you know, when they had, you know, financial needs and, you know, people knew that, again, my dad didn't make a lot of money and you get three kids at home and, and my mom, you know, would say that there would just be a bag of groceries sitting on the doorstep. And she knows it came from somebody at church, but nobody said anything. It was just, you know, wanted to be a blessing to our family. And, and those things held stuck in my memory as, as growing up. And my mom would tell me about the stories. That's why the Bible, you know, talks about, you know, teaching your kids. And um, it doesn't necessarily mean just teaching them scripture, but talking to them about God, because I, I'm, I'm living proof of that, that, you know, you talk to your kids about what God has done and, and they're going to remember those things. I remember those stories of my mom, you know, not just telling me Bible stories, but what people in the church did and how people came around them and, and stuff like that. And that's why I'm such a firm believer in the church, you know, that it's not just because um, it's in God's word, but because I've seen it and there is no perfect church. I know we're, you know, sitting here and it sounds like, you know, our church is perfect. It's not, (laughs) we're not the perfect church. And I don't want anybody to to think that, you know, we're flawed just like every other human being. And and I'm sure there probably have been people that have been to our church and they may have a different perspective on things and they may not think that, you know, it's friendly Mm -hmm. or whatever. I I understand that. my heartbeat, though, is that every individual would find a, a church community to be involved in because I've seen the beauty in church. Yes, there's church hurt. Like you said, you, you're living a proof of that. You know, you've been to church, you've got hurt. And, you know, whether it was intentional or not, it still happened. And you've had to mm-hmm. walk through that and, and navigate through that. And there's probably a lot of I know there's not probably I know there's a lot of other people that have experienced that. But that's why, you know, I try to do the best that I can as far as leading our church to, to make it a place where people, you know, can you know, come to a place where they feel welcomed, regardless of their social status, regardless of their credit score, regardless of the car they drive, that this is a place where you can find God, where you can grow and walk into relationship with him and find other like-minded believers to encourage and challenge one another, to pray for each other, to be there. Like I said, we're not perfect and um, I, I will never claim to be. I'm not perfect, um, but I, I just want people to know that there's a, there is a place you can go and to find purpose to find meaning in, in your relationship and walk with God. And it's a whole lot easier to do that surrounded by a group of people than doing it on your own. Can you do it on your own? Absolutely. I mean, I've had people ask me that question too. Well, you know, I don't have to go to church. And, and I remember, you know, preaching a message on that. And, uh, you know, I've you know, said, you, know, you don't have to go to church to get to heaven. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to go to church to get to heaven. The, the way to heaven is faith in Jesus Christ, uh, yeah. putting your faith and hope and trust in him. That's how we get to heaven. But if we want to experience all that God has for us, then church is right there. You know, Jesus is the head of the church. And so we should do what he says and, and come together and not forsake the assembling. And, you know, that, again, that's human beings coming together. There's going to be issues. There's going to be people that don't always agree. I get that. Mm-hmm. But let's do the best that we can, even when we don't agree, to see the bigger picture that, you know, it may not be you know, the songs that you like, or it may not be the, this or that, but, but what's, why are we here? It's not to, to please what I want, but ultimately to be a place where people can find the relationship that, that God has for them and to grow and disciple and be there for one another to the best that we possibly can and be good stewards of what God has given to us. It's all of the above. And again, it's, I hope that it, it's not just at FLC. I know there's a lot of great churches and yeah. it's a, just a matter of finding a church that, you know, you feel, I use this analogy too, you know, every church is like a flavor of ice cream. We all have different flavors of ice cream that we like, you, you know, Baskin Robbins has 31 different flavors for a reason because <laughs> people have different flavors and the same right. thing is with church, you know, so, you know, our flavor may not be somebody else's flavor and I am okay with that. And if somebody comes to our church, like, ah, this just isn't, you know, for me, then I, I mean, there's a lot of other churches in our area that I'll try to connect them with or point them at that direction that maybe that will fit what, you know, you are looking for, what's more comfortable to you, but please just find a place to go to call home. Mm -hmm. I I get, you know, requests, you know, frequently from, you know, people in the community that, you know, need help and and that, and we try to do the best that we can, you know, we're not by any means a a large church, we're a normal, actually a normal sized church in America. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so we don't have a ton of financial resources. We try to be good stewards with what God has given to us. And we try to help people as much as we can, but I get requests, you know, from people that need help. And one of the first questions I ask is, you know, do you have a home church? And oftentimes they don't. 
but that's the beauty of a church that if there is something that you need that we're here to help we can't meet everybody's need all the time but we can try at least that's a place to start and and whether it's not a, a material need but a spiritual need you know some just somebody to be there to pray for you and so that's that's the beauty of that's where i see the beauty of the church is that you're not just on your own that you've got people that care about you and can come alongside and help you and encourage you and sometimes you know give you a kick in the butt like hey yeah. <laughs> you know straighten up like you're 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 drifting oh you know thanks i appreciate that we need that too it's not just sometimes we just need some somebody to just hey pay attention oh that's right <laughs> you know i'm kind of veering off path here and like i said it's i've just seen it in my life and as a kid and and just the the, the good and the bad you know of of church i get it but i see so much more good than i see bad and um, and it does break my heart when I see people walk away from the church because of the the hurt that they've experienced. And, and I do, I, I, I say this as a pastor, I apologize uh, for people that have been hurt by other pastors and other churches. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, you've had to walk through that, but, but don't shut that door because there is so much more, you know, potential than maybe what you've looked for and, and, you know, healing and on all of that, I know takes place, but uh, don't, don't slam that door shut. Yeah open it back right. up and, and see what God has because I, I see the beauty in the church. Right. A church, like you said, it's not a big church, but it's, you know, a normal size and everything. But I know that we, we do, or we try to do as much outreach as we can. And I like how that event we have, we feed the homeless. The, yeah. I forget the name. Empty bowls. We do that too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like how we do that. And we have um different events at the church, like the, Easter egg thing, the 4th of July, the Christmas celebrations, like all the different events we have. And I like how like the original church in the Bible, how like people come together and help each other when we need help. And that's exactly how I have seen with our church. And I know that there's other churches that help people too, that, that can help. And me personally, you guys helped me with my house and you know, I'm able to have a house because you guys were able to help me with that. And not just financially, but a lot of people from the church came over to my house and helped me unpack, helped me arrange my house. Cause I've never lived in a house before. Yeah. I'm used to living in a small apartment or on a couch or whatever. And there must've been like, at that time, I think the church was a little bit smaller than, cause it's grown a lot since then. That time, I think almost the whole church was at my house, helping me unpack and helping me clean the place, like the windows and everything. And I moved in. People were at my house before I even got here. <laughs> they were waiting for me to help. And I had so many people there that I didn't know what to tell people to do. I was like, whatever you can find, if you can help, <laughs> I can help. And I remember you were there too. You came up to help put some stuff together and help with uh, moving stuff too. And I just like the feeling of that, of our church. The more it's to me, it's a really good example of how the original church was of how we all came together to help each other in that community that we have. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think there's, unfortunately, there's, there's a lot of churches that, that do exactly what we do. It's just mm -hmm. unfortunate that a lot of times it gets um, overshadowed by the negative, ne negative stories. You know, I mean, right. the, the negative stuff is what, you know, you hear about, you hear, you know, unfortunate stories about, you know, pastors and leadership and, you know, things like that. And that, that's the headlines. But there are so many wonderful churches that on a mm. weekly basis are feeding the homeless. They're meeting the needs in their church. They're, you know, helping people in, in real and practical ways. And, and that's kind of the, the goal and kind of the core value of our church is, you know, showing the love of Jesus in real and practical ways. And, mm. and that's what we strive to do. Um, and, and there's a lot of churches doing that you just don't hear about it i mean there mm -hmm. there are small churches there are medium-sized churches there are huge mega churches and 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 i don't you know um look down on any one of them you know that mm -hmm. i think they're a place for for big churches and they are able to do amazing things to advance the gospel and there are churches that are our size and we do what we can um mm -hmm. to advance the gospel it's just unfortunate that you hear the bad stuff and right. um, those stories get the headlines and, and that, but, uh, and that's what I, that's why I say, I see the beauty in the church. When you really look for it, you can see, you know, churches, just like, you know, in our community, I try to, you know, foster relationships with other churches and things like that to, to help and, you know, whatever we can do that it's, it's, you know, sometimes it can be all unfortunately seen as like churches were in competition with each other. Cause you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. we're a church, we're a business, but we're a church at the same time. We're not in competition with each other. Um, right. But unfortunately it can kind of be seen that way. So I try not to, to see it that way. Like, look, we're, you know, if 
you're advancing the gospel, if you're preaching Jesus, then we'll come alongside and you would help. We may have differences when it comes to, you know, theology or doctrinal things, and we may not fully agree on, on certain scriptures. That's okay. We're gonna, there's, you know, people have debated things for centuries on certain scripture verses. That's okay. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the, the central tenet of Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we're on that page, then all right, we can work together and we can disagree on other things. We can, right. you know, disagree friendly and we can be cordial. And, you know, I've got, you know, ministers that are friends of, you know, other denominations and affiliations. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as a church, I try to keep that same model, that same example that we're, we're willing to help and to advance the gospel. And, right. um, you know, we're, it's, you know, team Jesus, that's really what it's all about. So <laughs> right. um, I love our church and I think we are, you know, you know, a great church and everybody should be a part of it, but I, you know, it's team Jesus. That's really what the heartbeat is. Right. The men's group that we're doing, that's coming up. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that, explain it a little bit. Yeah. The, you know, something that's, you know, really been on my heart, you know, for the last year or so is, you know, the idea and understanding that as, as men, you know, God has given us, uh, given us a role to fill. It's not to say that we are, you know, better than women, nothing like that. But I believe that there is a role that we play in this thing called life. And as men, we need to, you know, what does that look like when it comes to our walk in relationship with God? And I know there's a lot of men that struggle in that area. You know, how do I, how do I be a, a godly man? How do I be a godly man in the world that we live in? How can I be, mm -hmm. you know, a, a godly father, a, a husband? How can I be a godly person at work? And so it's um, just this understanding of, you know, who, who has God called us as men to be? And so, you know, praying and seeking God and, you know, how to, how to do this. And we've tried some different things, but I really feel led to, to do this, this brotherhood. It's a mentorship. It's called Forge. It's a, a nine-month brotherhood mentoring program for men to come together and to grow, to be challenged, to encourage one another, you know, to, to just spend time together you know, once a month to, you know, just kind of dive into scripture, dive into some practical things, you know, as far as what we're walking through on a daily basis, and then develop relationships. Again, that goes back into the, you know, the relationship aspect of it, that, you know, as men, we often are the lone wolf, you know, I got to mm -hmm. figure it out. I don't need anybody's help. I'll figure it out. And I'm guilty of that. I am 100% guilty of it. Me too. I've had people at church. I've had people at church. Why, pastor, why didn't you tell me I would help you? Oh, I didn't want to, you were busy. And I, you know, I don't, we all, we, any men listening to this, you've done it. Um, just yeah. admit it. <laughs> it's just the reality. <laughs> but I, but you know, and and there's something to that. Again, that's you know, as men. But it's a whole lot easier when we, you know, ask for help and say, hey, you know, I really could use somebody to, to give me help with this instead of struggling and carrying all the weight myself. And and hear from other guys that are going through it. And man, I didn't know you were walking through that. I didn't, you know, you look on like in the outside, everything's. You got everything together, but on the inside, you're dying. And, you know, that I've seen, you know, videos on social media of men saying that exact thing that, you know, that I can't express my feelings. I can't even process anything. I've got to be a man and, and just I'm dying on the inside. And and so there's got to be a better way. And so I think through this forge, um, this brotherhood that we're putting together is going to help us, you know, overcome some of those obstacles and to be the men that God has called us to be. And again, I want to, I'm challenging myself in this and, and I want to challenge the guys in the church um, or anybody that wants to be a part of it, to be the man that God has called you to be and to, to step up and, and fulfill that role. And, and for a lot of us guys, we didn't have a, a father figure to, to kind of fill that role. You know, my dad, I, I, you know, have a kind of an interesting relationship with him. Like I said, he was in construction. So the early years of my childhood, he was not at home. Uh, he was traveling, making a living for the family. And so growing up, my mom was really my biggest influence. And then, you know, he finally started working at home and that, but I was closer to my mom because of those early years. It was, you know, it was me and her, you know, I mean, I was always with her. My sisters are four and five years older than I am. So they would be at school and I'd be at home with my mom. So we had a closer relationship. And so with my dad, you know, there was, you know, we, we've gotten closer, honestly, as I've gotten older and that we're, we're closer now than we were when I was younger. But uh, so I know what it's like to, to be a man and not really have a strong father figure at home, especially at an early age. And many guys are, are, have experienced that. And so I'm hoping through this, this, this brotherhood that we can 
help each other grow in some of those areas. And so, so yeah, we're, we're going to start that. We're going to kick that off the beginning of August and looking forward to, you know, just where, where God takes it. And my, my hope and my goal is that we do this, you know, for, for nine months, but then from there, it's going to be a continual thing that some of the guys that are in this mentorship now will take a group of men and lead it on their cell on their own. So we'll have mm -hmm. multiple of these groups going on throughout the year that it's not just one group, but then the guys that go through that now, you know, after this nine month program brotherhood that they will take their own group, you know, three, four, five guys and go and, and keep building on that. So um, mm. that's my hope behind it. But right now it's the focus on, you know, whoever wants to be a part of it. Let's, let's get this thing going. It's time to step up into that role and, and be the men who God's called us to be. Yeah, I know I need that big time, but I'll be there. But um, Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm glad to have you part of it. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for taking time out to, to do this with me. And Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure. You know, anytime that, you know, you and I can talk, I always appreciate that. Like you said, we've, we've had some, some long conversations that they've always been good conversations, always walk away, you know, being encouraged and hopefully you've walked away encouraged too. So, um, but yeah, absolutely appreciate it. Thanks for, for having me on. You have just listened to Tea Time with Chris, a podcast filled with hope faith, joy, love, and occasional laughter. We hope you enjoyed it and continue to stay up to date with us at teatimewchris.com. God bless.